week on the Koshcast. Arsenal finally pulled their finger out as it's Wenger out at the Emirates. We look back at the career of the Gandalf of football, the glory and the yawns, the glamour and the false dawns, and ask who is the right man for this brave new era, from Max Allegri to Patrick Vieira. Elsewhere, there's FA Cup action to discuss as Mourinho Mourinho's his team past Spurs, who spurs themselves right in the Spurs, and in things you never thought would happen, Giroud goes on a mazy dribble and Napoli beat Juventus in Turin. All this in Iniesta's farewell, a special guest, and much more. Gather round. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Koshcast on underthekoshblog.com and at under underscore the kosh on Twitter. My name is Alex Mohanad is here. Hello everyone. And joining us today, Kieran Breen. How are you? I am fantastic. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Kieran is both a friend but also works in the sports journalism industry for Yahoo. Yes, I'm a video producer at Yahoo Canada Sports. Uh, I'm not so much the bastion of soccer in this country, <laughs> um, but we try our hardest. But obviously, very busy at the moment with the NBA and NHL playoffs. So, Okay, we nice will not be break. talking about that at all, but that's... Oh, well, yeah. I, I, can, I can go. <laughs> <laughs> Please stay. I know a little bit about basketball, just a little bit of LeBron and you, stuff. You pretend to like it for about two weeks every year. It, well, LeBron is like my Messi in basketball, so I just follow him during playoffs, and then that's it, and I'm off for the whole year. Right. I wonder if... Do, do basketball fans hate that as much as football fans would hate someone just dropping in on the World Cup? You know what I mean? But the playoffs are every year, though. <laughs> Yeah. The World Cup is every four. So Fine, like, Champions League. I, I yeah. feel like playoffs are designed in their very nature for bandwagoners. You know, that you, is you true. don't have to follow the regular season. I was thinking, though, I feel like this evening is very, is very aptly uh, signatures your podcast and your lives here because the Leafs are playing in game six. I have no Cups. idea. No but, I, but I feel like you, know, you guys have made your homes in, in Toronto. Yeah. But we're recording this podcast during the Leafs game. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> no, perfect. I didn't even know they're playing. I mean, I think it's 3-2 or something, if I'm not mistaken. 3-2, yeah. 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 yeah, we can do live updates for so, people that listen to us. Oh, yeah. So this is sure. good. Kieran Tomorrow. plugged into other, other worlds. It's, it's yeah, useful more, more listeners. Yeah, we talk about hockey every week. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So part of the reason that Kieran is here is because he is also an Arsenal fan. As the two of us are. Yes. Um, so, you know, don't turn it off immediately because we've got three Arsenal fans. At least two of us are quite objective about football. <laughs> Man and maybe less so. Oh, I was the one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but obviously, we wanted to have a, a, an Arsenal stacked lineup because of the, the news about Arsene Wenger this week. Inescapable, um, incredible. I mean, it's been coming, but it's still, it was still a shock. Has it I been won. coming, though? I just feel like it would never. I mean, it's been coming for about 12 years. Yeah. Um, but it was still, you know, I woke up. Let, let's let's talk about where we were and how we how we found yeah. out. Right. I woke up, and there was a Guardian alert, like Guardian.co.uk, and I just saw Arsene Wenger's name. And you know when you're you're, you're like half asleep, but you read yes. you read just enough of the headline to know what's going on. Yeah. And I just thought I kind of put the phone back down and thought, bloody hell. That must be it. Like happened. you didn't even need to yeah. click. There was exactly. nothing else it could have been. Um, it was so, was it a Thursday? A Friday? It was like a random day. I think it was a Friday. Or some I can't remember, but I remember mm. going being like going to work. So it must have been a Thursday or Friday. It wasn't on the weekend, and I I was on my toilet when I when I read the news because that's when I first checked my phone. <laughs> and like you said, I saw his picture and then an official Arsenal. Like I never read anything on Arsenal.com ever. No. 
Like, I've, you know, I support the club my whole life. I've never been on Arsenal.com once. It's just useless. Like, there's no point. Nope. Um, Although, it, uh, there used to be that, that weird transfer rumor. Yeah, thing, for, they, they copied yeah. from the BBC. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, like, it's so weird for a website to go, oh, we might sign, you know, I don't know, Maradona. I was like, <laughs> really? Why would you put that kind of pressure? Anyway, so I was sitting there. I saw the article. I saw his picture. And it was kind of, you know, that one liner headline, just the... Um, you know, Arsene Wenger um, wrote something on the way. I'm like, that must be it. Like, immediately I felt that was it. Um, Click the link. And yeah, and he's just saying that's pretty much my uh, my last season. So it felt, I mean, Kieran, where were you when you and he saw it? So I was, uh, I was, uh, where was I? Yeah, I was somewhere in, walking the streets of Toronto. I actually got a message from Alex. I'm looking at it now. It says, how are we feeling? <laughs> And I'd been up that morning, but I hadn't checked the news yet, so I thought Alex was. Because it was quite early, yeah. It was quite early, yeah. So I thought Alex was checking on my well-being. Well, I mean, it was early for us, <laughs> yeah. I guess. Yeah. So I think I just replied, "Y'all feeling good?" Yeah. <laughs> etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Thanks for asking. When is You'd the, had some injury I didn't know about. Yeah. When the when the when does the season start? Did you check that email? Right. And then Alex is like, "What email?" Blah blah blah. <laughs> I was actually asking regarding Arsenal. So then I just you know Google Arsenal, and you know then I'm standing in the street, you know. I mean, I guess you were isolated on, on the toilet too, yeah. but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was definitely on my own. It, it was definitely a shock, but I feel like because I wasn't at home, it didn't sink in for a few hours. Right. Because I didn't get to have that emotional sit with it kind of moment. I kind of had to get on with a few things. Um, I mean, I was talking to Mohammed earlier. You said it was anticlimactic. I think... I was trying to think what, what could have been the scenario in which it was climatic. Right. So maybe it's like he's doing a post, post-game interview on the field after the... After the cup final, yeah, and he just announces it live. Like maybe that would have been climatic, but I guess in some ways it never was going to be climatic. I think I think the reason it's anticlimactic is, which which is always how it was going to be, is that he came out and announced it himself. I think climatic would have had to be some sort of a fallout and a sacking of epic proportions, where he's clinging on clearly in the media saying, "I don't want to go," and then Gazidis or whoever is yeah. saying, "You have to go." Like that would have been the pinnacle of the action, which was never going to come down to that. And I mean, people are speculating that the reason it didn't come down to that is, you know, rumors or the story or the news is that he was told-ish that this was the last season, so they gave him the opportunity to kind of preemptively come out and say that he's retired. Because you know he doesn't want to leave. Oh, no. And he did say in his press conference, I think it was, not press conference, it was something yesterday or whatever, he said, I'm not tired. Like, the guy clearly asked him, is this a relief that now you get to, you know, say, you know, I'm, I'm leaving. And he's like, no, I'm not tired. So clearly he doesn't want to go. And I feel there is some truth to that. I think when it comes down to it, and this is the way I've reflected on it, you know, in the last few days, but also the last few years, is that it's it's a relationship breakup. So I think, you know, what happened was Gazidis, whoever came and talked to him and said, I think we need to break up. Right. Not I'm breaking up with you. So it was like a relationship that you, yeah. didn't, you know in the back of your heart, and, or back in your head and your heart of hearts, that it's coming, but it takes someone to sit down and say, I think we need to break up. Yeah, no, it's true. I, and and the the thing is for, for Arsene Wenger, and I think he might have countenanced leaving earlier if it wasn't for the fact that, and he mentioned this in the press, match press conference the other day, he said, I work seven days a week on this. And we've, we've I mean, we've literally seen the breakup of his marriage, ostensibly because he doesn't spend any time doing anything else. I mean, right. how, could, how could you be married to someone who does that? And... Um, I read, I didn't know this, but I read that both his parents died in the last couple of years. Um, th- this really is, was his, his life. life. Yeah. And in that respect, it's incredibly sad that someone is losing that. 
Yeah. Because you, you do have to wonder what else has he got. And I remember when Sir Alex Ferguson retired, Arsene Wenger said, he's lucky because he has other interests. This is all I have. Yeah, I mean, there's the famous stories of Arsene Wenger watching like third division Bolivian football on TV <laughs> instead of spending time with whatever he should else be doing. I mean, that's, that's well known. But I mean, whose fault is it that it became his life? Like, I mean, obviously he, he, you know, he loved it and he wanted it, but someone or a club or a board or a system enabled that to happen. And I think it just went on for way too long. And he himself had a lot of chances to leave. Yep. And that's, that's well documented. There was Madrid and there was Bayern and there was, there was a lot of options for him to leave. And people are split on the, did you stay because you love Arsenal or did you stay because you would be found out slightly in a, you know, in a more demanding environment like a Madrid. You know, would you have lasted more than two seasons at a Madrid? I don't know. It, with the way things have went, I, mean, no, I don't think I, the so. The answer is no. I mean, yeah. just well, no one, no one does. And I think that's there's like this catch twenty two where it's, you know, you ask how did he, how did we end up in this position? But I think like, and we'll get onto this later in terms of who might come in next. But when you look at the top coaches, none of them, like maybe Klopp a little bit of Liverpool, like talks to Liverpool talk and buys into the philosophy and the history, but really it's about him and the team. He's a coach. Right. You know, Guardiola's a coach. Nobody has ever, you know... Had this much control over so many aspects of a club. That much control, also that much love. Right. You know? So... Yeah, I mean, we had the Emirates Stadium thing. I mean, Arsene Wenger, I look at his career at Arsenal in kind of three segments. The first one is when he came into Arsenal, revolutionized the team, the league, football, people. I mean, you can go as far as you want. Uh, winning the double in 98, etc., etc. That was kind of the first portion. The second one was at 2006 to 12, where it was a stadium building, financial restrictions. And I believe he did a really good job, if you believe all the... I mean, I think it's true, the financial restrictions, are, you know, playing with the Nielsens and Zervinos and that kind of thing. Oh, you can tell from the transfers that it was true. I yes. Mean, the, the squads that he... If you look back on the squads that he achieved the top four consistently with, you'd look at them now on paper and say, how on earth? Oh, yeah. I mean, I understand the competition wasn't quite as fierce for the top four as it is now, but some of those squads were absolutely Still, you had, a, you had Shamak and Bettner up top and, you know, Danielson, Squilacci, and, like, the list of, of, yeah. of mediocre garbage names goes on and on, but he so, managed it. After that segment, then you started to get the part where he himself came out and said, financial restriction is off, we can now do what we want, we can, you know, Gazidis came out saying, we can, you know, compete with Bayern Munichs of this world, etc., etc., and it's obviously funny that he picks them, you know, when they trounce us 10-2 every season. Um, and... Unfortunately, I was, I was listening to Ars Block today, and he said something I didn't think about. Is Arsene Wenger got sold in this FFP, this financial fair play, way too hard. Like, he truly believed this was the way football was going, and he was ahead of the curve by being, you know, financially yeah. stable. But then it never materialized, and he was kind of left stuck. It never materialized, but also, also I think if you look at the, the again, the transfer, the recruitment record... In those years yeah. since 2012, Mesut Ozil, good signing, although there have been, you know, debates around it. Alexis Sanchez, good signing. Other but than that. Beyond yeah. that, yeah. you look at every transfer Arsenal have made since then, and not many of them have worked out, and some of them have been downright horrendous. And they're so, not cheap either. I mean, you spend $35 million on a centre-back, that's not cheap. You spend $45 million on a defensive midfielder, that's not cheap. These signings, again... Arsene Wenger says we're restricted, but you also bring it, you were restricted in the past and you brought, you know, the Henri's and Anelka's and etc. Vieira's, but now you're restricted, but you're bringing in the Shaka's and the Mustafi's and the. 
And it's just like, well, whose fault is that? Because you're still going to get these players, and they're clearly not good enough. Yeah, I mean, people talk about Ferguson when he left. You know, they obviously won the championship, but then left the kind of older, still group of players. This group of players is it's a mess. Yeah. yeah. You know, both in terms of the, the average age of the team and, and some of the leaders getting towards the end of the careers. And as you guys have pointed, the quality. I mean, next season is going to require... Not just next season, the next three, four seasons. going to take years before we revamp this squad. Yeah, I mean, th- there was a point, I think, you know, maybe two or three years ago, early Alexis period, where you looked at that squad compared to the others in the league and you thought, with better coaching, this squad could win the league. Yeah. Or at least not be sixth. Or, or I mean, compete, I don't compete for yeah. it. Compete yeah. for it. But now you look at it and I, and I don't believe that. Well, if you're only going to pick one, you, you must have either a good manager with a, with a decent squad or a very good squad with a decent manager. You need one of those to combinations to have any chance. But then we have a decent, well, unfortunately towards the end, a decent tactician manager and a decent team. Yeah, None of them are good. So what you do is you end up fighting with Burnley for sixth and seventh place. But I don't think, I think a Pep or a, a like whoever you, whoever you listener like as a manager, take him and put him in Arsenal's position right now. I don't think we finish sixth. I think we finish at least top four. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, like the squad isn't that horrendous. Like I know it has gaps, but it's it's doable. We're not going to win the Premier League. But look at United. United have a you know again they they're second. They're in the FA Cup final, but it feels weird. How are they achieving this when they're clearly not playing well? So, yeah, I I think that I've said this before, but the the sign of a of a very good manager to me is to get more than the sum of a team's parts. parts. Yeah. And Arsenal for a long time have been getting less. Simple as that. I mean, as I said, the recruitment's been bad, but. You're right. The squad isn't so horrendous that it should be finishing but it's six crazy and one point above Burnley. Arsene Wenger did what you think a great manager did from 06 to 12. Yes. He got way more than some of the parts. Yes. And then everybody got better. Well, this is the thing, right? I mean, this, that, around that time is when strategies, tactics, formations started to change. This new breeder manager came in. And, you know, Wenger's often decried for, you know, not keeping up with the times. And he didn't keep up with the times. I'm not here to say he did. But I was reading something interesting in the aftermath where someone, you know, there's people will often say, oh, he can't see it. He can't see how the game's changed. Which this person was making the point that that's lunacy. Like, Wenger can see it. He's, an, he's right. as intelligent as we are. He can see it. And then he makes his own decisions. And to then see it the way we all do and get frustrated, but he sees it and then still sticks to his principles. Mm-hmm. Right. It's completely like lunacy. Yeah. But it's also beautiful. This person <laughs> said, it's like to right. have that passion and that idealism, which is like an idealism of a martyr. Yeah, but it's like wow! Like you, you saw in in the last five years that football was moving so far ahead of you, and you were like, ah, I'm just gonna keep doing my way. Yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's you know? stubborn. It's like he, like a lot of people. I mean, it's well known that he's stubborn. It's well known that he has an ego for sure. It's well known that he wanted to win and only win this way. But and I, uh, you know how you said it's also, it's crazy, but it's also beautiful. I can respect that when you don't have, you're not in f- so much in control of everyone else like if if i make that personal decision in my personal life to do, do that beautiful thing fine but you're in literally control you. exactly yeah. of a huge club of millions and millions of fans around the world yeah. you cannot take that selfish path of proving your way is the right way because you have too much at stake and you control way too much to make that decision and i think that was the wrong thing to do yeah i i found it interesting you know what a number of players have joined Arsenal, Mesut Ozil, Alexandre Lacazette, a few that have said, Arsene Wenger is the reason I'm here, he convinced me, he called me, he spoke to me in my language, yeah. whatever it may be. 
And I'm really curious to know what, how he does that and what on earth he says to convince people to join a project which, using their eyes, they can see for the last while has not been working. And Kieran, as you can see, as, sorry, as you said, you know, football has, has moved beyond the football that Arsenal played. And they must be able to see that. And yet he, he has this, this magic, which is why I referred to him as Gandalf in the intro, that, that manages to convince people to come on board. Well, because people, I mean, and this is also the change in modern football, like players, like Ozil's not coming to Arsenal to win. Like Ozil exactly. knows that when he stepped exactly. down from Madrid that he's going to have less chance of winning trophies. But he's still making a career, still making money. And so in the last few days, when you see all these players come out with tributes. You know, today there was Chamberlain, not a big fan of him, but, you know, he had a respectful tribute. Chamberlain didn't win anything in Arsenal, a couple of FA Cups, but he still puts his career down to him. So the thing, it's hard as us as fans to say this, because like we don't support players, we support the team, we support right. the crest. Wenger didn't make the team function in the last 10 years, but he made so many careers. And I think a lot of those players will describe their careers yep. as beautiful because of Wenger, even if for some of them they had to leave to actually get the trophies. I agree, and also, Alex, you got to think of it as we, we think players always make a decision for... Um, career kind of motives but it's not true you've seen people go to China you've seen again Ozil signing a new contract I told you I, I love Ozil he's one of my favorite players ever but when he signed that contract I lost some respect for him because he's just not a winner it's very clear at that point this is his retirement contract it's the last four years yep. and I'm going to go to Turkey and do my thing you look at some of the examples <laughs> Aubameyang he's being pushed out of Dortmund it's not like you know he's top of the world and we snatched him up um, and unfortunately, this is Bernie's point, and I'm making it for him, but he loves to make it. Alexis Sanchez pushed out of the door at oh, Barcelona. Yeah, no. Ozil. So none of these players were plucked at the peak of their careers from a much better team where they were dominating. It. These are all players that are kind of like, well, this is a great option. Arsenal's fantastic. I live in London. Best medical staff, best this, best facilities. So they end up coming. And, you know, you look at someone like Ramsey now. Ramsey has a decision to make. Do I want to win anything meaningful in my career? Or do I want to stay at Arsenal? And unfortunately, the players that have that hunger have all left. Fabregas is different. He has the, but he also knew he would win at Barcelona. Yeah. Van Persie, Alexis Sanchez, those are two, Nasri less so, but those are two e big examples. Even Nasri. Even Nasri. Like those are two, three big examples of players going, I made the wrong decision slash, or uh, this is definitely not for me and I'm going to leave because I want to win. The ones that stay are the ones that just, they're happy with the money they're making and that's it. Yeah. Well, I, think, I think for Ramsey, and I think he's one of the most interesting ones, is that while Wenger was still there, the question was, do, do you want to win at it? Right. You know, he had to ask himself that question. Now yeah. that Wenger's gone, I think what I feel, and I'm just sensing this in the ether, is that Ramsey, and this applies probably to other players, is like when a big-time manager walks through that door and it's like clean slate for everyone, Ramsey's like, am I good enough to make the first team anymore? But that's very optimistic when it comes to the whole the big name coming. No, no, but, but thing. whoever it is, yeah. new manager. When Arteta he, comes in, they all want to leave again. Like, uh, but, but Ram Ramsey was like Wenger's, you know, you know, child, yeah. whatever, right? So if Ramsey knows that whoever the next manager is, he's not going to be treated like like Wenger. So Ramsey's not like, do I, am I big enough? Am I good enough to right. leave, like you were saying, and be a winner somewhere else, or am I good enough to stay and even prove? That yeah, I can even get in this team. Well, I I think. You know, Ramsey and players like Bayrin and, and a couple of others will have, yeah. as you say, have a big choice to make. And it will be completely affected by who walks in the door. And uh, that leads us on nicely to who that might be. So uh, I stuck a list down. I don't know, can, you, can you bring it up? Yes. Because um, there are a lot of names being mentioned. Um, so why, why don't we go through 
and and see so, see who we like, see who's realistic, see who isn't. So a few names here, and I think this is in quite good order. I think this is, yeah, I saw this tweet. This is in order of preference that I like. Yeah, it. this came from Messi minutes. I yeah, think, yeah. Um, you've got Simeone, you've got Allegri, Sari, Jardim, Conte. There's no need to apologize. <laughs> um, Tuchel, Enrique, Lowe. I mean, and then you start going to the Brendan Rodgers and the Rafa Benitez's and the Arteta's and the Vieira's. Right. So first of all, do you want it to... Let, let's go through the, the, the categories. Do you want an ex-player? Do you want an Henri, Vieira, Arteta? These are really the three ex-players. I will say that that does nothing for me personally. Great. And I, I'm fairly yeah. sentimental generally as a human being, but I don't trust any of them as Arsenal manager right now. I've said this before, is that I wouldn't apply... Definitely not Arteta, no way. And even Vieira, I don't think he's proved it yet. No. Not Henri, he clearly hasn't proved it anywhere. But there's a soft spot. He, he, gets a, <laughs> he gets a greater pass than I have a soft spot for all of them. No, no, but, but it's not that. I don't want him as a soft spot. The reason I want him is that this squad, as we talked about, is not going to win next year. So, like, is Ancelotti coming? I mean, we'll get on to yeah. that. But, like, does Ancelotti want to come in? And, you know, he's not coming in for a four or five-year plan. No. So I'm like, if someone like Henri or someone like Lordan comes in, promotes you builds around it and it takes us four year five years to build i'm happy for it to be what about, to be an Henri or someone like people that. are saying what about an ancelotti for two years with his assistant being definitely the manager that's gonna so let's say an ancelotti with an Henri as assistant or teta as an assistant so in two years because ancelotti you're right is a two-year guy those things never happen just, people talk about those things a lot but the, the, those the kind worst, of plans the never... worst thing would be to hire a short-term manager right now because this right. squad can't win and if you put in a short-term strategy we're just not going to build it well can Henri be like the zidane like to Arsenal, like I, you know. Anyways, I, 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 don't think we should be looking at someone with such less experience. I think it needs to be someone more on the Simeone Allegri bracket. Yeah, I mean, I just, just feel Allegri will come for four years. I think. I think he's. I mean, he's that. I think that's what he wants to do. I again, Arsenal are a very lucrative job. Let's yeah. not get that wrong. I know the transfer budget isn't the same, but it is so lucrative. No, it's a look. very rich club. It's in London. You know, that story of bringing Arsenal back to its glory is not one that a lot of people will turn down. It's, it's a strong narrative. And if you go to Allegri, who from, Allegri would be my first choice. I think what he's done at Juventus has been phenomenal. Yeah. Especially when you consider that when he was appointed, Juve fans were really pissed off. They yeah. did not want him. They were, Made, what, they two were, Champions League finals in the, in the time or two something? Two Champions League finals mm-hmm. right after Conte said that they couldn't make the Champions League final with that, with that squad. And Allegri did it, and he's killed Serie A every season. I mean, we'll get on to Napoli a bit later. but um, And he's been learning English for at least a year. And he said he's done with Juve pretty soon, and he said he's not going to manage in Italy after he's done. So I think if you call him and you double his money and you say, bring us back to glory, I think I think you're right. You I think can you double would take anybody's it. money in the world, and they would <laughs> yeah. still be making less than Arsenal. Like, you're fine. Yeah. Money is not an issue for the incoming manager. Yeah. Um, Okay, so what about what you think will happen? Because I think this board will not hire someone with such a strong opinion slash experience because I just feel they want someone that can kind of work with them, like more of a Tuchel, more of a Luis Enrique, less so I'm definitely the man and we got to do it this way. I just feel they, they will avoid that. I mean, I don't think Tuchel's going to happen. One, because it looks like PSG might be happening, but also him and Mislintan yeah, have a bit of beef, it seems. And... So I just wouldn't trust him to come in and just be a coach. I actually think Allegri, I mean, I'm in as well. I'm full in on Allegri. I think he could be happy. Like, I mean, from the Juventus documentary on Netflix, like, would you, personally, like, there's 90% of that show is, like, to me, it's ridiculous. But he's the one spot where I'm like, man, this guy, is, like, yeah. the way he thinks, the way he talks. 
even the way he talks about, I mean, Juventus are the Man United of Italy, but they do have a narrative and a history that they talk about, and he's really bought into it. So I think he would buy into, into the romance of bringing the Arsenal back to life. And uh, I think the club will go for him. Whether they'll get him, I'm not sure. Also, I mean, wasn't there a season where he lost Pirlo, Pogba? Yeah. And, I and think, Vidal. Was it Vidal. Or, or, or something, over two seasons like, or something. And, yeah. and he just, like, nothing happened. He's, re- he's reinvented that squad every single season. Yeah. Every single season. My only fear is that he might want to break. Maybe. And yeah. We, and then we miss out on him. That's when you bring Ancelotti for a year. <laughs> yeah. I'd do anything for Allegri. At this point, he's number one by far. Yeah. For me. Yeah. I just... I would agree. I, I and, and I say that because I don't think Simeone is particularly in the picture. Um, right. I know language isn't everything, but I'm pretty sure he doesn't speak English. I, I'm not sure he's leaving Atleti this season. We'll see. I think his next job is Inter, but so anyway. So, regardless of the manager that comes in, there's rumor or news that came out today that Arsenal have a 50 million transfer budget before selling players. If that's true, 50 million pounds. That's pretty much no transfer budget. Yeah. I uh, mean, where's that coming from? I mean, it, it, just, it literally just Twitter. It's all over Twitter for the past hour, regardless. Let's assume it's not more than, <laughs> what, 70? I mean, he, they're not going to give him 200 million to spend. It's just not going to happen. No, but so I, do, do, is this worth discussing? I don't know. That, that seems really low. Okay, so fine. Taking like, that point. My next question was going to be, before we move on from this, let's do some... I have one negative question, okay. and then let's all do right, some right. positives about Arsenal. Because there's more than this. Sure. Arsene Wenger, you know, it's been 22 years. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll get to the positive. But a quick negative before we do that is, was there a moment... Not when you kind of were Wenger out or asked for a change, but was there a moment when you thought, this is not working? I'll give you mine while you think about it. Mine was very clear. Mine was the summer when we signed no outfield player in 2015. Not to say that before that, I did, it was the kind of the straw that broke the camel's back was that. That was like, I'm sorry, if you cannot even, if you think this squad is so good that it doesn't need a single addition, that's when you've lost me. So that was my moment where that's it, definitely. I just don't think he can take us any further. Did you guys have a moment like that, or is it kind of just an accumulation over the years? I think it was an accumulation, because I remember <laughs> I remember thinking, because, because the reason that happened, the reason that Arsene Wenger didn't sign anyone that summer other than Petr Cech, was because the team ended the previous season in phenomenal form, stormed to the FA Cup final, won like the last whatever, how many games in the league, and it was the Cazorla Cochrane partnership with, with Alexis. <laughs> I know with Alexis I think Jack, and Walcott. Jack came back for the last four weeks, I think. Yeah, yeah. haven't and we so, won the last three calendar years? Are we champions for like? Well, like, yeah. Like, anyway, it, it was there was a lot of momentum there. The squad seemed to really be clicking. He'd found a formula that worked, albeit by Cochrane accident. Cochrane was a beast, albeit yeah. by accident. <laughs> Cochrane had the best defensive <laughs> midfield stats in the Premier League, and I I could understand at the time him thinking, I don't want to mess with this. Not one. No, not a substitute. I, listen, I could. I'm not saying it was the right thing to do. I'm saying at the time I could understand it. I thought it was justifiable, especially at because at the time we all thought that Petr Cech was still a reasonable goalkeeper. 50, where's my 15 points? <laughs> yeah, which turned out to be, oh God, There's so 15 wrong. points over the course of four years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think it's 15 um, clean sheets over the course of four years. So I, it wasn't. It clearly wasn't that for me because I remember feeling that way at the time. But yeah, I, for me it was an accumulation. I, I don't remember one single point. How about you, Kira? No, neither. I think it's you know there's the Groundhog Day situation. You know whether it's Bayern Munich in the Champions League, whether it's Chelsea's Stamford Bridge. Eight you know, two was great. But eight two in some ways, like to me, that almost feels like an anomaly. It feels like there's other games that have actually repeated four or five times, yeah. and, that, and that both 
it's what leaves you helpless, but also it tricks you into like, I don't know. It it is Groundhog Day. It deceives you into just you're just like in this like. Well, well, alternative well, reality. Yeah, your perception of normal is your perception completely warped, right? Completely warped, so I, I don't remember... You're not upset anymore when you lose. You're just kind of disappointed. Yeah, okay. Numb. And you you're move numb. on. You're just numb. And like, yep. I, I, we were talking about this, I think it was last season. Arsene Wenger's biggest threat to Arsenal Football Club was not bad results, was not not winning... Term. I think it was accepting of mediocrity, of making the new standard so low that anything kind of top four was, was a fantastic or any... Like, it's that, just that narrative that Arsenal are not good enough to be at the top, therefore be happy with this, this is a great achievement. And I think a lot of fans, especially young fans, are getting sucked into that in the past few years that, you know, people online and go, how dare you demand more? We're just, you know, why do you think we should be better than we are? And that mediocrity, that that was really worrying to me. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, let's move on to positive stuff. Yeah. Um, so Arsenal came in, changed, you know, English football, diets, you think about the boozing, the smoking, the this and that. Want to... Beautiful double in 98. Um, everything was looking good. Invincibles. Was there a moment that you really cherished the most out of out of his reign? It's, it's really hard to, for me, at least, to pick between that first double, which was incredible. And, and, and what was beautiful about that was the kind of combination of the, the English core that he inherited and the French players that he brought in to complement it. Because that, that team really had... Everything it was it was the the, the channel tunnel of, of, of football teams, um, but then the invincible team could do everything. I mean, they're, they're, I've not except seen Europe, but it could. Do Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it was. I mean, what was it? One Wayne Bridge goal away from yeah. the semi final or final. Yeah. Um, but actually, actually, now that I think about it, that two thousand six now and now that you mention it. The 2006 run. Champions League run was phenomenal. Was incredible, and it was it was weird when I look back on it because Arsenal did so many things during that run that we haven't seen Arsene Wenger or the team do since. There was, there was a, a makeshift defense yeah. that kept clean sheet after Senderos clean sheet after clean was sheet. Was a beast that season. <laughs> he he's, he changed the system for Europe. He yeah. went four four two in the league yeah. and four five one in Europe. He was pragmatic. Arsenal saw games out. They Doug, a Fabregas trench was a, just Fabregas was it. 17 in the middle anyway it was the whole thing was an anomaly and w- looking back on it it seems even more incredible that they that they got there it, uh, yeah That's that, run, that, like run that run was amazing yeah. yeah I mean for me like I've spent some time reflecting obviously the last few days and the joy for me like it can't be separated from childhood pain right. um, so I was just looking back today and so in two years before Wenger came in we finished 12th which mm-hmm. is obviously terrible and we got to the final cup winners cup and we lost two names halfway line goal against Saragossa yeah I was eight years old and I remember going to school the next day and you know where I come from it's all Man U Liverpool right. and just being bad that, that's everywhere that's, that's where it, oh, it, yeah. Yeah. No, but, it's yeah. everywhere but it's yeah. like it's like at the time before Wenger there was no it wasn't cool to support Arsenal right. there oh, was yeah. no, just, there, just so people know where, where did you go oh sorry I grew up in Northern Ireland right so just because of migration, it's all Manchester, Liverpool. So nobody's really supported Arsenal. So I was like, and I didn't have the emotional intelligence, and I was quite a shy child to really like feel good about myself. And I felt really, really, really crappy. Yeah. Right. Um, so then when 98 came around, just that moment of joy, like the game, is, game against Everton, 
it was the first time I was ever in a bar watching a game of game of football. So like even before before we won and won the, the championship, it was just like this thrill of like watching a live sport in a bar with like older right. men. It was just like oh my god. And then yeah. I remember the Overmars goal. I remember Wenger on the pitch. You know, kind of almost felt like he had a suntan. <laughs> yeah. So I think that moment, and then also the semifinal of the Champions League run. When Lehman saved the penalty against Villarreal, Villarreal and there's yeah. the famous scene of Wenger in the sideline just shaking his hands, and yeah. he's just so happy. And I feel like that moment, in some ways, sums up Wenger in terms of like really, really hoping it works out. <laughs> Mostly doesn't work out, but in those yeah. small moments, it does pure joy. We were thinking, uh, I think, I think it was off air. I can't remember if it was last podcast or off air. We were thinking, actually, it must have been off air because it was recent. What when the statue goes up? What moment would it be? That Villarreal one was one. The that kind of the one where he spun on the touchline, same similar celebration was one. The one where he's holding up the the old four trophy with his tie and medal behind his back. That was another. So we were thinking of those moments. Um, I mean the old. I mean it's a negative one, but when he got sent from the stands at Old Trafford, that's what that's what Alex said, and I said that's too negative as a statue for the rest of time. But yes, <laughs> it would look epic though. Yeah. Um, oh, for a statue? Do you think a statue will happen? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, the yeah. bronze one there. Oh yeah, which 100%. what what do you think it'll be? I think it'll be the fist. They've kind of clamped fists. Yeah, I, I think it'll either be that or they'll just make up something generic. Right. You know, oh, I want one in his in his gla- glasses from like 97, <laughs> you know. I um, mean, really, there should probably be a few just to capture the yeah, different Venga There is. But yeah. I, I would imagine that there will be a statue. I would imagine there would be a stand named after him, mm. if not the state. I mean, the stadium probably won't be because of capitalism, but a stand, you would think. Mm. That would be nice. Yeah. My, my, I'm, I'm most grateful to Wenger for for Thierry Henry to be honest that uh, he's the, he's what got me kind of attracted to Arsenal and he's what I've watched my whole life and Wenger had a huge part to do with that all the way from Monaco bringing him in turning him into a striker and I know it's not really kind of a selfish thing it's not an Arsenal thing but you know by a byproduct is that he got Arsenal a lot of trophies um, but Henri for me was a phenomenal player and Wenger there's a lot to do with that and that's kind of what I'm most grateful about I think um so yeah, Wenger ends, I mean, again, when you think about it, 22 years, three Premier League trophies, I don't know. I know the end, it's not fair to expect him to have won it during that 06 to 12, but again, it's still... Well, we we not, should have, though. Yeah, yeah but... 08, it, for sure. It, yeah. 08, yeah, Galas. It just feels like it's a low number. I mean, I know mm. Wenger's a legend in the game and everything, and everything, but it's sometimes intangible, right? You think of the tangibles, you've got three Premier Leagues in 22 years, FA Cups, recently, you take those three out, you, you know... It's no look. There have been teams that have won the league in that time who have not been that good. I mean, there have been some phenomenal teams. Don't get me wrong. Mourinho's Chelsea were incredible. United, you know, Ferg- United under Ferguson, obviously. Um, but a couple of those City victories, not that good. Leicester, the Leicester, season. Leicester, great story, but they weren't that good right. in terms of points. And Arsenal, you know, probably should have been closer to them, if not winning the league that season. How we came second, I will never know. Yeah, 2008 for sure. So, you know, you're not wrong. There have been opportunities. But But I think the counterbalance to that is that the ones we did win were all beautiful. Yeah. And so it's like we could have won five or six, but if two of those were kind of like underwhelming, like some of the ones you mentioned. Would you take three more instead of the Invincibles? Probably not. No, of course not. And I think the fact that it's not over, well, you know, a couple more games left, but, you know, Again, like a breakup, you have the clean air. You can reflect back on it. Was it perfect? Absolutely not. Yeah. But it gives. I think Henri actually said it best when he was like, "I'm glad we can now finally, you know, reflect on his legacy in true light." Well, that's what yeah. people wanted. He, they wanted him to come out and not wait till the end of the season and then have the whole turmoil. I mean, you have to give him the right send off, 
and it has to happen before the last home game. It has to happen. Like, I feel like he should depart in a hot air balloon and just sail off. Like yeah. Phileas With a Wenger out sticking out of air That would actually be a brilliant moment yeah. of self-awareness. Yeah. He just went like, dropped yeah. the mic, Wenger out, and yeah. then floated away. <laughs> and I know we have to move on, but we... We, he did mention something very, very interesting. He did mention the fans recently. He, they did ask him when, after he said, I'm not tired. He did mention that I felt that the position the club is in right now and partly my fault because I divide opinion hasn't really been beneficial to Arsenal, to the image of Arsenal worldwide, etc. And that's an interesting point because me and Alex kind of sometimes debated about fan power. Mm. And a few seasons ago, two, three seasons ago, we were like, well, you can you know do your Arsenal fan TV and do yeah, all the talking. Yeah, yeah. It won't matter i feel it got to him i feel it got to the board i feel recently in the past few months the empty stadium has started to get to the board and i feel fortunately or unfortunately however you want to look at it the venger out movement i think got what it wanted and it was a big part due to them it wasn't just circumstance i think without that he stays another season i, I think, think without that pressure he stays i think the only circumstances that how bad we've been this season i think if we were still challenging for fourth or even fourth challenging for third i was never convinced that arsenal fans would walk out the way they have in the right. last couple of months i think it's literally between because the league games have not mattered it got much that's made it possible than, yeah. so yes you're right in the sense like the power was created amongst a section of fans but some circumstances of this season have, yeah. have enabled it to be more effective i thought before. he was yeah. going to wait to see if he wins the europa league and then make a decision that's my that's was my well he he may have felt that way but as we right. as we said at the top i think i think the decision was made for him but yeah i, I think that's probably enough arsenal yeah. um yeah, so we should just throw in that they beat who was it west ham 4-1 because we won't go into that now. no we won't we've, we've had enough but yeah. uh there's too many london derbies <laughs> yeah yeah exactly but said someone let's uh let's do a quiz before let's do we a talk quiz about break it up yeah Alright, so sticking with the Arsenal theme, welcome to the Sven Quizlintat. Good. Yeah, good. Not bad. I mean, we're running out of players we're doing now, like <laughs> transfer gurus and stuff. Um, so again, since this was a predominantly heavy Arsenal uh, quiz uh, We told them podcast. we were moving on. I know, I know. I knew, but you didn't know. <laughs> uh, that's true. I knew, so I didn't want to interrupt. Alright. Um, I, I thought I'd just let you say it anyways. Um, <laughs> This time it's a bit different. We don't have buzz-ins because I've got like 20 questions. This is Ooh. quick fire, Arsenal related stuff. If you know Pressure. it, just say it out. All right. Okay? Yeah. Here we go. In which year did Arsene Wenger join Arsenal? 1997. Wrong. 96. Yes. Before Wenger took the reins, he instructed the board to sign two players. Patrick Remy Gard and who else? Correct. Let me finish the question. Sorry. Wenger, Wenger won his first game in charge 2-0 against Blackburn Rovers, but which player scored both goals? Ian Wright. Correct. Which position did Arsenal finish in Wenger's first year in charge? Fifth. No. Sixth. No. Third. Fourth. Oh. Wenger won the double in his first full season in charge, but in which other season did he achieve this feat? Yep. How many league games did the Invincibles go undefeated? 49. Yep. Wenger got it. Uh, well, no, that's not an easy one. Which player scored Arsenal's goal in the Champions League final? Sol Campbell? Correct. Arsene Wenger was in charge of the last game in Highbury. Who was it against? Portsmouth. No. Wrong. He was against uh, Wigan. Yes. Hmm. Um, the hmm. first game at the Emirates Stadium was testimonial for which player? Correct. Um, Wenger went nine years without a trophy, including a defeat to Whitside in the 2011 Capital One Cup Final. Birmingham. During the trophy-less years, Jose Mourinho labeled Wenger as a what? 
specialist in failure. <laughs> Correct. Um, how many FA Cup winners medals has Arsene Wenger won? Seven. Seven. Who is Arsene Wenger's record signing? It's not. It's, it's not Granit Xhaka, is it? No. It's about, yes, it's Aubameyang. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What is Arsene Wenger's biggest defeat? Eight two. Yep. Name any of the three teams that Wenger has masterminded 7-0 victories over. Middlesbrough? Yeah. Everton? Yes. Southampton? Nope. Arsenal. Slavia Prague. Oh. <laughs> how did that not pop in jail? <laughs> and last but not least, how many major trophies has Arsene Wenger won as manager? Of not enough. Get out. <laughs> Manchester United 2, Tottenham 1. <laughs> um, that was fake laughter, he forced it. They've um, done it again. <laughs> Go on. No, no, it's fine. It's right. fine. You don't uh, want to do the whole I'm song? I'm trying to be, uh, what's it called, like unbiased slash objective. It's yeah, not going to happen. Of course you are. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, um, I predicted this. Um, Mourinho in a semi final um, knows what to do. Pochettino still a little bit naive when it comes to these games. And. It proved to be the case. Spurs went ahead. The first 10, 15 minutes, they were by far the better team. Um, scored a great goal. I, I'm not sure. The, the ball over the top from San, from Davinson Sanchez. I need to clarify Sanchez's in this context. Um, and then it was Pogba chasing Down the left Ericsson left back. Where was, yeah. where, who was the left back? Ashley Young. Where was he? That's a good point. I don't know. I remember before the goal, in live play, I was like, Alex, why is Pogba playing left back? And then the cross went in and Alex scored. That was weird. But Ericsson, again, his crossing technique is... Again, don't get it twisted. Ericsson is the best player on the team. Oh, yeah. Harry Kane can put in all his tap-ins that he wants in his headers. And yes, he's a great player and everything. Yeah, whatever. Ericsson is the best player on the team. I, I've actually noticed in the last... I mean, Spurs haven't been good for... Well, since came, Kane came back. Kane came back too early, clearly. He hasn't looked fit, hasn't looked sharp. Um, and they, had, they were playing very well without him. And then he came back. Why, they, did, why did Kane come back not sharp? Can you let us know? No, but I'm sure you've got some crackpot theory. Of course I do. He came back to score more goals in the league. Mm, that, sure. that, that is, look, I mean, they lost that final. They lost that semi-final because Kane was not in form. You could tell he was not in form. And the reason he wasn't is he was still injured from coming back trying to break Salah's record after stealing Ericsson's goal. That's it. Do I, you agree or disagree? That's up to you. I, I think that's sure. incredibly simplistic. But okay. nonetheless, you can believe what you like. Um, Anyway, where was I before, before we started conspiracy <laughs> theories? Um, right, so they went one up, playing very well, um, controlling the game, and then Dembele, who has been remarkable in, in the second half of the season at least, yeah. um, had this moment where, I mean, Trippier could have cleared it, then he gave it to Dembele. Dembele could have cleared it. Pogba but, beasted him. But Dembele had been so confident and he's been getting past everyone that he thought he could just nip around Pogba, who suddenly woke up, knocked Dembele over, yeah. put in a beautiful ball for Sanchez. And Sanchez's header reminded me of Messi's header in the Champions League mm, final that's against exactly United. Yeah. When yeah. You, the kind of fade away. It's funny, the minute that went in, that's exactly the image I had in my mind. But about Dembele, Dembele is literally the Pochettino of players. No stats. Looks great. Does his stuff. Very solid. No stats. I've, Zero stats. I, my conspiracy is not conspiracy theory. I think Dembele is one of the most overrated players in the Premier League. Love it. Tell go us on. more. I swear to God. Yeah. I would not want him on my team. Go, go on. Over he, like well, Ramsey, would you take him? Yeah. Or would I take no, him? No. No, no, no. no. He's the master of like taking the extra touch. He's like that guy. We all play football. He's the guy on your team who takes an extra touch and he loses And bodies the, the guy, yeah. And he goes the odd game where he keeps it and people get excited about it. The Pogba situation is a perfect example of why it's 
I don't want him on my team. He gets, he gets caught, not the wrong side of the ball, but his body's in the wrong shape. Only wants to take it on his left foot. Pogba doesn't have to do much to get the ball. If he takes with his right foot, he keeps the ball. Not much different than thinking about it like a like a Wilshire almost. Like they both want it on their left. They, Dembele seems to want the physical contact even when it's not there. Like he wants it regardless. Well, because when he gets it, he knows which where right. he has to go to evade. Right. You know, when you have when you know where someone is, you know yeah. where where your next move but is. That, the, the turning back, it, like why turn back? Like if I was a Spurs fan. I don't know. That would be my biggest. I mean, life would be horrible. That's <laughs> I mean, I'd be really interested to see what Eric Erickson really thinks. I mean, maybe he loves him. I don't know. I mean, what what Dembele? And I, I take your point. I know what you mean. And he probably is a tricky player to play with if you're the person expecting the ball because mm. you're not exactly sure how long he's going to hold on to it. That said, most games, and he had a terrible 15 minutes here. After that, he started getting battered. Yeah. But most games he provides, and you're right, it's a bit like Wilshire used to do, the technical security where like, you'll see him drop back between the two centre-backs. And most players, you wouldn't give them the ball in that situation. Mm. But they know that he's not going to lose no? it. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But they know that he's not going to lose it. So he generally provides a technical security. But on the weekend, yeah. he, after, from that moment onwards, he, he was gone. He almost, and I agree, he almost holds the ball almost as long as Tottenham's trophy drop. Hey, how, you had a good five minutes with that. <laughs> yeah, while well, you guys spoke, I thought about it. Um, so Spurs, again, once Pogba started dominating, it was funny because I think we were watching, like it was like a, whatever one of those things called, like Pogba was dominating Dembele, but Ericsson was dominating Pogba, and it was kind of that, like, you know, who's going to end up at the end of the chain? But I thought United came out of their shell and started playing quite well. Herrera then started really dominating the midfield, and as much as I hate him, and I think he's... You know, again, like I said, if I could punch three players in the league, I'd punch him three times. Like, he's just unbelievably frustrated, like, annoying. Like, he fouls people on purpose. He gets fouled, and then he stays down on purpose. He talks to the ref so much. He's always, like, cry almost on the verge of tears because, like, the world is so unfair and everything's against him. But he has played a few really good games. Like, the previous game, he, what is it, City? Was mm-hmm. it? He played really City, well. Yeah. And then he played... Very well this game, scoring the second goal. So, you know, you got to give him the credit for the football, at least, side of things. He was brilliant again. Yeah, no, he, he did well. Um, that said, and, and so let's talk about second half, because second half was, was incredibly predictable. Spurs came out, tried to play. United just sat there, didn't let anything through, were incredibly solid. Had Zero one, shots on target. Had one chance yeah. and took it. And But when I say took it, I still think that's a bit generous, because we look, we discussed this at the time. That shot is about three inches to the right of Vorm. Vorm's foot. Vorm's foot. Yeah. And he moves his foot away to dive. Yeah. And in that moment completely loses it. And he could have just kicked it away. It would have been a very simple... Something, something his, his opposite in De Gea would have done in a heartbeat. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the trick was, I don't know who passed it to Herrera, who almost... it was Alexis some, passed it, and then Lukaku took oh, a you, touch. Oh, you took a touch. Yeah. But it, so I think Vorm thought that that Lukaku was going to pass it out wide for him to take the shot. Pretty much never touched it, so wherever it took him, maybe a half a second, maybe right. before uh, Vorm expected it. Yeah, yeah that, may be, that may be the case. Anyway, it was it was one of a couple of Pochettino decisions in playing Vorm, which was understandable. Lloris has not been in good form. And it's the cup. Yeah. Vorm has been the cup keeper. Also, got to this point. Also, Pochettino doesn't care about the cup, remember? Yeah. He said this is not important, and he said, you know, it's not a big deal, and these players played that way, so good for him. Sure. I also have no sympathy from Michelle Vorm. Well, just, well, just like for it. taking the you know big money move to Spurs, knowing he's going to sit in the bench for six years, it's like, 
Right. You're talking about like Ozil earlier in the contract. It's like, yeah, no respect. Well, he, he cleared the way for Fabianski to have a decent Premier League career. So that's oh, yeah, actually, yeah, actually good can, decision. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I'll take it. I'll take yeah. it back. Just anyway. before you move on, did yeah. you see um, the FA? The football? <laughs> did you see this? <laughs> yes. They tweeted out. So I didn't actually see it. But is they, it Smalling's pocket or whatever it is? Yeah, so yeah. they obviously there was a previous video at some point of Chris Smalling talking about Harry Kane. Yeah. So they clipped him saying Harry Kane. And then tweeted out saying, "Watch in your pocket, Chris." <laughs> he said, "Okay." Get this is the official Emirates FA Cup account, yeah, which was that brilliant. Is dodgy. The official Wembley Stadium account oh, was yeah. also tweeting during the game some brilliant stuff. Oh yeah, like they were talking about like it was hilarious. It's like something to be fair to the lad. Like he was yeah, basically on his own Twitter. <laughs> Do you reckon it's the same kid? Like maybe, he's managing both accounts. Maybe, and and they also had the whole. Um, something about who scored the goal or whatever and something is like if you say Kane I'm unfollowing you like you know the whole <laughs> funny oh, thing yeah, yeah. it was brilliant um, but United deserved I think overall to win the game yeah they managed they managed the game yeah, and, and, um, yeah. they're gonna they're gonna play uh, Chelsea in the final after Chelsea good game. yeah Chelsea beat Southampton <laughs> 2-0 but, I would rather watch a test cricket well I mean first we enjoyed the Lionel Giroud goal when beautiful he, he beautiful was, yeah he was stumbling other people are falling up the way for no reason. No, come on. <laughs> it was perfect timing with Wenger's announcement. It was just like, Giroud is such a Wenger player where he's like, well, was it, maybe, you know, he might be lifting the World Cup in two months for all we know, but just produces this moment of joy mm-hmm. that ultimately might not mean anything, but will live in the memory. Right? Yeah, and, and, and also, to be fair to Giroud, he is the player with the most goals in the FA Cup since forever. Yeah. Aguero's second on 15, and I think he's either 16 or something. If he wins it this year, Giroud uh, will have five in seven in terms of FA Cup wins. That's a lot. Five FA Cups in seven. That's I mean, of... it's incredible. Yeah, I mean, it's Alexis versus Giroud. It's the Arsenal uh, oh, January yeah. cells versus each other. So Yeah, I, yeah. I, know, I, know, I know we've got some time before this game, but Kieran, since you're here, wait, let's do some predictions. I watched Chelsea play, and I honestly, all I could think of is United are going to trounce them. They're going to absolutely demolish them. Okay. Like 3 0. Jesus. I Easy. Think, I think I'll go to penalties, and United will win. You go, if it's penalties, you go to Hayer. Yeah. 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 I, I think it'll be. Yeah. Is Caballero going to play the final? Because he is horrendous. No, I, I don't think no. he will. I will go Lingard extra time 2 1. Lingard loves an extra time of the F in yeah. the he will, he will be uh, He will be United's Ramsey. Okay. I hope you guys remember that I said United are going to win 3 0 because that's exactly what's going to happen. Uh, Mourinho doesn't even want three goals. Let alone that's true. <laughs> he doesn't that's want true. them. It, that wouldn't be in his plan. Um, if anything, it will happen by accident. We anyway. just brushed over the Chelsea game, I guess. Well, what was the other goal? Like Morata? Yeah. Wasn't it another uh, Aspilicueta assist? Yeah. So that, that seems to be the only way Morata can score is if Aspilicueta crosses it to him. I just realized we missed uh, talking about Nacho Monreal's goal against West Ham. Possibly the goal of the weekend. Uh, De Bruyne would have some issues. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah, De Bruyne. But, yeah, but uh, you're right. All I could think of just before we're not going to talk about it, but the natural goal. All I could think of is that it will be a Robic that would not have been a goal. Our left back oh, has yeah. better technique than. <laughs> no, no. Natural Monreal is Arsenal's best attacking player. That is <laughs> yeah, 100% currently. True. Yeah. Um, um, but part of the reason we didn't. There's not much to say about Chelsea Southampton is because they were playing Southampton, who are terrible yeah. what like, did Southampton really? do amazingly recently they were 2-0 up or something and then ended Chelsea. up losing 3-2 yeah, again Chelsea. right against oh, Chelsea, Chelsea. Yeah. 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 Um, well speaking of the league let's quickly go through it West Brom Liverpool 2-2 this was lols <laughs> yeah. we haven't seen this from Liverpool in a bit yeah I mean did you hear Klopp's comments Klopp was amazingly frustrated what did he say I mean I, didn't, I don't know if I read the direct quotes but he was like 
those points are useless. Were useless to West Brom. It was a useless <laughs> comeback. It's, and so he was like, it was like it was unfair for them to have taken. It's two like points Buffon. Yeah, that is straight out of the Buffon school Basically of justice. Yeah. yeah. He also did say, which I thought was even worse. He went. They asked him about. He was really upset that they didn't water the field. And to be mm. fair, you're two nil up. I get it, but I did see the ball and it was not moving. It was one of those Mourinho Inter versus Barca things. And they asked him about it, and he was very upset. The guy, you know, basically a commentator or whoever. He was asking him, uh, you know, how much is that really an effect? And he went, have you never played football before? So he started to get antsy. And then towards the end of the interview, he said, you know what? That's fine. West Brom can do this again next season in the championship. It <laughs> That's was, a good line. It was so good. It's a good it line. so good. No, he is one of those guys that, like, him and Pep, when everything's going well, they're fine. And when it's not, yeah. they're really bitchy. Yeah. yeah. Um, City dominated Swansea 5-0. This was literally from, like, minute 7 um, some beautiful goals. Ooh, Absolutely beautiful. Sterling goals. is doing some. Forget goals. Sterling is doing some things in possession in center midfield that I did not think he was physically capable of doing. He gets the ball, he flicks it, and he turns his man. He plays the through ball. He is such. Again, managing, coaching. That is what Pep has done to some of these players. And Sterling, I thought Sterling would be the first to lose a spot in the team. Easily in is, the beginning of the season. Is he the most improved player in the league? Oh, definitely. I have to, I mean, now on the spot, but like he's definitely up there for sure. I mean, yeah. he, 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 I don't know how he hasn't made team of the year. No idea. It, it's, it's it, crazy. It's unfortunate for him, Frank, basically. It's just, it's just unfortunate for him that, that, you know, Salah's been in the form that he's been in. Yeah, but you've De got Bruyne, Sane. Has Sane been better than him for City? Has Ericsson been better for Tottenham? Sterling has Ericsson, literally yes. been up Sterling. there. I, I, I think also what counts against Sterling is that. A lot of what people are saying is, well, he's scoring goals now. And if you look back at those goals, and I'm not taking anything away from them, but they're six-yard tap-ins, because that's mostly what City score because of the brilliance of the way that they build up their play. He also Most, has a few six-yard misses, though. It, granted. Yeah. But so it's not like, if you think of Sterling's goals, you don't really remember them. Like You don't remember him True. smashing one in from outside the box because they're just tap-ins. I think, I think a positive for him is that I remember him for his play mm. I, I don't necessarily right now think about Sterling I don't necessarily like you said think about goals like, I can't think of a lot but to him it's just the way he's improved as a player on the ball you know that that close control that I never thought he was going to have so yeah um, yeah De Bruyne obviously scored that amazing goal that shot was brilliant it was exactly where it literally went exactly where he looked yes. before he kicked it Roche wanted us to say that Messi wouldn't have been able to do that so with his just... right foot no <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's interesting. I feel there's a lot of players who are going to be interesting next season. So Salah, Sterling, mm-hmm. even De Bruyne to a lesser extent, who haven't done it for year on year. You know, they've had these amazing years. Even they've set the bar so it's high. The bar is very high. Yeah. Well, Salah won the PFA Player of the Year. He's well never deserved. gonna. He's never gonna have another season like this. I mean, he's at 31, matching the record for the most goals in a 38 game season. At 41, he's one away from Ronaldo's best ever in the Premier League. I mean, you think about. The best ever goal-scoring season in the Premier League is 42 goals. Messi hasn't had a, a season less than 42 goals in like 10 years. <laughs> I mean, is it... And he's not even a striker. Yeah, so it's crazy to think, is the Premier League really that difficult? Do good players just leave after one or two good seasons? Because, you know, the Suarez's leave, the Ronaldo's leave. Like, these guys are the ones that could possibly break all these records with some consistency in their prime. But is anyone really in their prime in the Premier League? I don't know. I... I... I've been thinking about it, and my immediate thought is the classic, you know, well, put Salah up against, you know, Levante and Hetafe, and he'd probably have 96 goals too. 
But then I'm thinking about like, is that easier than Alan Nyom and stuff? Like, I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there was the 2009 when Ronaldo was banging him in for United. Like, that was the year where I realized that Ronaldo was a cut above. Right. Because in the Premier League, that doesn't you don't happen. Do that. Right. But he was doing it. Yeah. But then you don't feel the same about Salah. You don't feel he's a cut above, no. do you? No. No. But it's weird. It's it's just I but, don't know. Yeah, I, I think you're on your right in that if he does it for two, three years in a row, then yeah. Then you go to Madrid. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, that's what happens. Yeah. Um, Champions if, League quickly? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh. No, I was just going to say, if not now, like he might. I, I think. If I were Real Madrid and I, I moved Bale, I, what else are you doing with that money? Yeah, and Hamas, you're not bringing him back in the team? I mean, great segue. Speaking of Real Madrid, Neymar. Mm. Uh, Neymar. <laughs> well, <laughs> we, we all agree Soon, that PSG was yet. just a, 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 a bridge between bridge. Barca and Madrid. We've covered That's, this. Cool. Yeah, like 100% agree. Like, in, give it one more season. He's yes. at Madrid 100%. Um, unless he's missing it for his sister's birthday or something. <laughs> um, Madrid are playing Bayern Munich. We keep saying how Bayern are the most balanced team the strongest team in the competition and the minute they draw madrid we all go whoa 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 they might not be all all it's madrid yeah it's madrid they know how to win the competition so what do you guys think i i mean i said last week i can't i just can't bet against madrid yeah what are you gonna do after the last few years it's like like betting against arsenal in the fa cup you just don't and i don't think you put your money (laughs) on byron either no i don't feel like I'll put my money in. That just, winning... Yeah, I just don't feel it. I don't it. know. It's Madrid. If Bayern were playing any Liverpool or Roma, fine. But Madrid just... They have something about them with the Champions League that you... Like, if you had a pile of money, you would not put it on Bayern. You is, just wouldn't. Is Ramos... Will he play or is he suspended for some you reason? You think that... Did they actually hold that true? Because he was suspended for the... He came through the tunnel when yeah. he was suspended for the UV game. And then he got booked. And then he got, like, resuspended. So I mean I mean I'd rather have him in leg two because when it comes down seven to, goals yeah, and extra time. Yeah. yeah. When it comes down to that moment, he'll be there. But I don't know, he'd be quite a big loss for, for one of these two games if if he is suspended. Right. But yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I can't I can't see past Real Madrid. Are uh, Liverpool gonna do a Liverpool or are they gonna get past Roma? What is a Liverpool anymore? Well a Liverpool is like a two that two two from a two nil to West Brom. Like that's Liverpool. Roma do have a Salomon Rondon shaped Edin yeah. Dzeko so I, no I mean Roma Roma are hyping themselves up for this yeah. um, there was a really interesting article or uh, interview with um, Paolo Bandini and uh, Sebe Di Francesco Francesco you know got the obvious question have your players told you how to deal with Messi uh, sorry Salah and uh, and he said well they don't need to because I managed in Serie A like we yeah. had to face when I was at Sassuolo we had to face Roma and we had to face Salah so I think they'll be very wary I'm not sure what that plan is they're, they're, they're back four or three depending on how they do it and not quick so are they going to have to go super Italian and defend really deep and try and hit on the break although they don't have that much pace going forward either so I I'm not sure how Roma play it but it's going to be tricky I think, I think set pieces for Roma oh yeah I think they just need to get as many free kicks and corners as they can and they will score one or two of them I think just yeah. Sorry, not conceding as many on the other end. I think in cup competitions, Champions League especially, when you have these you know romantic kind of storylines, and if there is one this season, it is Roma. 
it then enables a defensive style of play to also be romantic. And I think Arsenal in 2006 embody that, where it becomes heroic, not just a romantic, heroic. That's yeah. a really good point. Whereas if, it, if on a regular game in the Premier League, someone plays defensive, they get slaughtered, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whereas if Arsenal did it, or like Roma did it in the Champions League, they get prized. And I think they'll definitely do that in, in the first Greece, leg. 2004. Yeah. Well, like that. Yeah, that was a bit anomaly. much still. Yeah. Yeah. But also when it's Romans, you can pretend they're doing the shield thing and like marching. Yeah, 300. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think Liverpool should. The thing I worry about Liverpool is in the first 20 minutes of their high press, high energy doesn't result in a goal, I start to worry for Liverpool. Right. So if they get a goal in that first 15, they got this. If they don't, <laughs> then it's almost like the game plan is like, well, now what? Right. This clearly hasn't worked. We haven't yeah. blitzed them. Now do we just pass the ball around and try and score a regular goal like regular teams, yeah. or what do we do? They, they do rely on scoring early goals, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, anyways, that's pretty much it for the Champions League because there's only four teams left in it. So. <laughs> more. Yeah, I want to more. Games. Um, are we doing a Momo of the Week? Yeah, let's do it. Do we have one? Yeah, yeah. All right. Happy Momo. <laughs> one thing we are no sha, Momo not fit sleep forever. One day, Momo go wake up. We spoke about Raheem Sterling earlier, and he features in the first uh, first Moomoo of the Moomoo of the Week section, but he's not the Moomoo. Huh? Um, Daily Mail. They must have been in here you don't five need to, say to anymore. ten times yeah. just for being racist scumbags. Mm-hmm. Anyway, here's a headline. Raheem Sterling treats himself to a spot of breakfast despite missing out on being crowned Young Player of the Year the night before at PFA Awards. <laughs> How dare he? How, How very dare you, he? Uh, you won the Premier League and you were having breakfast. Treat himself yeah. to some breakfast. As if yeah. normally he wouldn't have it. Yeah, he doesn't deserve well, breakfast. This is, he's lucky he's having breakfast today. <laughs> this is They do this about every time. And it is what it is. It's every time a black player buys a big car, a big house, an expensive this. I mean, Harry Kane, there is right now, there's a whole media thing about leave, you know, stop bothering Kane because of that one tweet that, some, that you know, the, the Emirates FA Cup put out. Is that that it? one tweet. Oh, man, there are articles out there. Henry Winter, whatever his name is. It's insane. And now every time Obama Yang will buy a car, they said the same thing when we signed, look at his house. Sterling, look at his house. And he bought his mom a house. Like, it's just it's just racist. It just is. Oh yeah. Like there's well, no other way of putting it. Anyway. I mean, it's it's not tricky. It's very straightforward. But with Ken, it's like not only is the he's the white savior. He also <laughs> did tread over to the top of the league, top of the game, slightly different than Raheem Sterling. Yeah. So it's like this double thing of risk. Plus Sterling's an academy player. Kane went and played in the lower leagues. Right. Yeah, the he's, he's one of us. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. I mean, we got the same glorification of Jamie Vardy, despite his. Clear yeah. tendencies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I've got one here. I've got my quick one. I've got two. My quick one is the Europa League trophy was in Mexico for a partner event and got briefly stolen. <laughs> um, so I guess borrowed, you can say. I mean, stolen is harsh. Someone just take a selfie with it yeah. and give it back. It like, was what? quickly recovered and has suffered no damages. I mean, you really want the details of that. Yeah. Don't you? you know? Like who did it? Yeah. Why was it going to be held for ransom? I'm just picturing someone just kind of running away down the street with it, but not being, like, maybe a slightly overweight person can't get away from security forces, they yeah. tackle him. Possibly an arsehole going, yeah. <laughs> um, my other one, I've got this, this is a weird one. This is a, a player called Artem Zyuba. He was sent on loan to Arsenal Tula from Zenit. This is in Russia. Yeah. Um, Zyuba paid his own $150,000 fee to play against Zenit, because when you're loaned, you can't play, and he paid that fee, 
you're allowed to do that himself just to get revenge back at uh, Roberto Mancini, who manages Zenit. He scores a goal in the 88th minute. Get in. And then he goes all the way up to Mancini and celebrates with that, you know, thumbs pointing at his name. Yes. And he just stands wow. there for like a good 20 seconds. You know what? 150 grand well spent. That is brilliant. Is yeah. that rubles or... No, this is euros. He paid 150,000. I mean, Gazprom will probably just pay him back. It's not a big deal. How many bears could you get for that? <laughs> Clapping away at the, <laughs> at the opening ceremony in Russia. You could get a lot of bears. <laughs> One thing we are no sha, Mumu no fit sleep forever. One day, Mumu go wake up. Italy now, and uh, well, what a weekend. So, I know you, you only want me to talk about Juve and Napoli, but Lazio won, Inter won, and Roma won, which means that they are all separated by one point for the race for fourth and the final Champions League spot. Oh, wow. Um, or third and fourth. And, uh, but at the top, Juve at home to Napoli. Juve, had they avoided defeat here, would have stayed Spoiler four, alert. four points clear. Yeah. Um, had they won, would have gone seven clear. And honestly, they looked comfortable for the most part. Napoli were the better team. They played better football, as they usually do. But they kind of weren't really getting anywhere well, well, until... Well, yes, I'll get to that. I know you're, you're propping me up for this. But before we get to the until, the beastly part of this game... Mm. Allegri here did something that I thought was quite good. He obviously didn't get the result he wanted, but up to 45 minutes, everything was fine. At halftime, he decided, I'm just going to close this game off. He took Dybala off and brought in, I think it was a defender, but he took Dybala off. And clearly he thought, you know what, I'm just going to close this out. And up till like the 88th, it looked comfortable. Napoli didn't really trouble Buffon too much. Everything looked just fine. Yeah, they, Napoli brought on Milik, but he was awful. Yeah. Then they got a corner kick, and this was one of those Roma-Barcelona moments like Manolas, but this time it was Koulibaly, who was, had, who was an absolute specimen. He's just a, a unit. <laughs> a unit of a human being. And he, you know when you say bullet header, forget this Giroud business. <laughs> that was a bullet header. This was, the ball was literally ripped into the net. For, and, and he jumped about nine foot in the air and yep. headed it at an angle at which the ball landed at the bottom corner yeah i mean it was phenomenal it was just like he jumped way too high yeah almost um chiellini went off injured after 11 minutes would he have stopped that happening no but the the pace and power (laughs) kulabali was running at towards that ball there was no stopping it was impossible literally impossible but what Um, a moment oh yeah what a moment oh yeah and you should hear it in the italian commentary shivers just napoli you, there's videos of the city celebrating this win. Fireworks, like Independence Day celebrations. Like, apparently, apparently, thousands of people showed up to uh, the San Paolo to to give them a send off when they left. <laughs> I've never heard of that. And then they were there, obviously waiting for them to get back. Twenty thousand yeah. or something, something like that. So I wasn't watching the game, but I was on Twitter or something came up on Twitter, and it was a, it was a little video from someone's basement or something. <laughs> But it was tweeted by the guy from Copa 90. Okay. So I was like, well, this is football. And the tweet was just this, period. And I was like, something's happened in the world of football. I have no idea what. So I had to like, go around and Google what happened, yeah. going through all the scores. And I was like, there's a, there's a few last-minute goals this weekend. And then I found it was Napoli. And then yeah. Just, they're so insanely crazy about football in Naples. Yeah. It's insane. Well, what makes this better? Because it's still in Juve's hands. They're a point clear. But they have to go away to Inter, mm. and they have to go away to Roma, and... There's one more hard game, I thought. No? Is mm, that it? They've got Milan in the Coppa yes. Italia oh, final. So which, they've also got that to think about. So they've got that to think about. So 
This is not cut and dry. I mean, most times, if the fixtures were relatively even, you'd say a one-point lead is enough for a team like you. They, they know how to get over the line. But Napoli's pushed them this season. Yeah. A pushed them. They, they have a bit of a Spursy they strand in yeah. their bones, though. They do. They, they do have that vibe. Yeah. yeah. I, I was also a bit... I don't know. I, I, I saw the celebrations, the Napoli celebrations, in their own dressing room. And I thought, that's a bit much. For them, I would have hated it. How yeah, dare you yeah, take selfies yeah. in the dressing room? Oh, Roy Keane. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Roy Keane. Um, Spain, there was a Copa del Rey final, which mm. kind of went under the radar. Well, because everyone knew that Barca would spank Sevilla, didn't they? Maybe, maybe. Um, so, yeah, Barcelona beat Sevilla 5-0 at the... What's the new ceramic Won the Metropolitan. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Um, but Iniesta's swan song. Yeah, it was his last his last final for Barcelona. One of his last games for Barcelona. They you know subbed off in the 88th minute just to get a standing ovation. The whole stadium, Sevilla fans included, um, tears obviously, all that good stuff. Um, Kieran, where where do you where does Iniesta fall for you in your kind of pantheon of players? It's difficult. I feel he's. Um, I feel when he came to like hyper prominence, he was he was already. Almost in his mid twenties, I feel like he wasn't like he was eighteen. And everybody was like, "Oh, Iniesta's is the guy," because obviously, because Javi was around, he was a little bit in the shadow. It's hard to tell because he's, um, yeah, the things he does are not always, um, you know. I don't know what his stats are. Yeah, yeah well, they tr- don't exist. They don't exist. They don't right? exist. So it, it, Literally, they Sergio Ramos, John Terry, they all have more goals than Iniesta. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he is the Dembele of the league, yeah. obviously. And if you take away the the, the World Cup uh, winning goal. Um, and I guess the Chelsea goal. Yeah. Though, take those two moments out of his career. I, I don't know if I could remember another one. Well, he's he's one of those people that people always will question, like him and Chaffee and Busquets, and sometimes even Messi kind of got out of that because he's just way too good. But is that mm. do you work because it's Barcelona? Yeah. You know, would you have worked somewhere else? Would you? You know, are you better than a David Silva? He'd have been all right in this City team, I'll tell you that much. Exactly. He would have been perfect, yeah. So, I think Iniesta is one of the most mercurial players out there. He glides. Even at this old age, he glides on the the field. And Alex, I think think Bernie and Roche um, on our Euro tour went to watch Barcelona play. Mm. And everybody was going for Neymar and Messi. And they both came out of that going... Iniesta's the one you watch. And, and I'm glad because until that point, Bernie, Bernie had this weird thing where he was like Pirlo or Iniesta, and for me it's Pirlo, and I never really well, understood why. Well, he pretty much why. thought Iniesta was overrated, like clear out. Yeah, yeah. I, I never really got that, so I'm glad he got turned around on it because I just think, and you're right, he was probably 25, 26 when that, that Pep team really came to prominence and, and he came to prominence and people started to realize how good he was. But for me, the thing with him is... And it's the same with, with Xavi and it's the same with Messi is that they play the game at angles that no one else sees right. or, or plays at. They're, they have more options and their vision is somehow heightened. It's, it's something else. I, when I watch Iniesta play, or especially when I watch videos back of that time, that 2009 to kind of 13 period, he's the closest, and this isn't exaggerating, he's the closest I've seen to the way that Zidane moved and moved with the ball. Like, there's something really balletic about right. Iniesta. Yeah, like someone like a Modric and a Cruz are incredible players, but they never they never will have that fluidity that mm. Iniesta just looked to have on the ball. And you did mention about the whole vision and the passes. I don't know if you noticed the Messi assist to Suarez. Um, people are making a big deal out of it. It was a very simple through ball, but when the oh, ball yeah. comes across to Messi, 
Suarez is not the option. No, you think it's the... Yeah, yeah. I mean, you think first he'll take a touch, he'll play the easy ball out to Coutinho, play will go on as you think. He literally... Like, just to see that and to go, this has to be one touch between three players to make it a goal. Because that's what great players do, and that's what Iniesta did a lot of the time, is you don't take the easy option. You pick that option that you go, whoa, I did not think that's what you were going to do. Xavi did it, Busquets did it, and they all... Unfortunately for Barcelona, they all did it at the exact same time, and they dominated football for years, and people are saying that's... You know, up there as as a contender for one of the best football teams you've ever seen in the history of football. So yeah. he contributed to that majorly. So you can't take that away from him. He's. I, I also think there's a, there's an element of hashtag marketing about this, which is that if he if he looked like I don't know someone else, if he was a better looking bloke, if he was right. bigger physically, he'd have a different reputation. He's just he's an odd looking, pale, skinny little. And he stays bloke. out of the limelight on for purpose. It. He's yeah. never looked for it. No, no, no. And he stays out of it. On, like he's never in the news ever. You don't even know how much he makes. Like, hey, that's yeah. true. Yeah. And when he scored that winning goal in the, in the World Cup final, he lifted off his shirt with a dedication to his exactly. You know, just to remember yeah. to so do like, that at that moment. Like I know you <laughs> plan it, yeah. but I don't think I would even remember with the euphoria. Yeah. I'd, I'd almost forget. I'd be like, oh, I I planned this and like. Anyways. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's that Copa del Rey. That's I mean they're also going to win the league, so they they can do the domestic double. They're just hoping Madrid don't win another Champions League because I think that would still be a better season. Yep. Even though Madrid have had a horrible league season, I think Madrid winning the league, the Champions League, would still be a better than a domestic <laughs> double, which is insane. Like, it is. Um, let's do something a bit more local. Yes. TFC. CONCACAF Champions League final second leg I think you'll find is the con- the Scotiabank CONCACAF <laughs> oh, yes oh, Alex sorry. don't forget because you know that gives it the hashtag right S-S-C-C-C-L-L-L-S-S-C-L Alex they paid a lot of money for us to say Scotia. yeah sorry fuck off Kieran did you watch the first leg I did I was there oh nice and it was it was back before spring had arrived in Toronto that's correct I was definitely a there's a little bit of trepidation before the game, but it was some of the most fun I've had in a while. And I've enjoyed this whole run. Obviously, it's been on an edge bed for TFC, but just watching higher quality opposition every week and TFC are, you know, best team in MLS. So see two teams going at it. Is it history? Is it MLS history? Uh, is it MLS history? It will be if they win. And if they don't, no? No. No, Mon- other teams have reached Mon- the final. Montreal in the yeah. final. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, I, 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 thought, I thought that this was eminently winnable I mean the first leg they, they lost 2-1 at home uh, but the first half they were by far the better team and they had three or four really good chances and they played as if more chances would come yeah. and they didn't in the second half and I think they will regret that so much I, I think it's a very hard result to come back from away in Mexico I think I really don't think it's realistic I mean if you want to make some money this is this is how you do it you put some money on TFC winning this but to me, I feel they've done this without Juvinko almost. I think he's let them mm. down a mm. lot. And they, yes, they've reached this final, but he is supposed to be MLS MVP. He's supposed to be, you know, people love to talk to him. He was possibly one of the best players to ever play in this league, etc., etc. He hasn't stepped up starting from the end of last season. Altidore carried the, end, uh, the tail end of, of that uh, MLS Cup win. He's doing it again, and Juvinko is just not pulling his weight. Kieran, is there an argument to say that Jovinko has not, not quite, not stepped up, but that his level and the reason he's been so successful in MLS is because he's better than most players, whereas against better opposition he he floundered. Mm, I still think he's probably 
brings a different skill set than some of these teams, you know, Mexican teams they've faced so far. Um, I would say even in his body language on the pitch against these teams, he hasn't stepped up. Yep. Like if you're Javinko and you're you know you're playing against, I'm not gonna pick on any other MLS teams, but you can see in his body language during the regular season, he's like, uh, "What is this? I get a free like, kick, why am I here?" Yeah. And it's like now you've got the chance to play against teams that are better than you. They're better than the team you play on. Go and make a point. And he still has that little bit of a yeah. I mean, to play in the Azteca, that's literally the height you're gonna reach playing in North America. I mean, I don't. You can't think of a lot of better places to play. That's probably top of the list. Yeah. So if you're not motivated there, of course he's probably going to score a hat trick on Wednesday night. Great. If, if this, if this is the yeah. reason he does it, then you yeah. know, all for it. I'm ready to sit here for another half an hour of passion. <laughs> I mean, I think what's most interesting about this run is, you know, I watched the league game on Saturday. They lose five one. But fans are like, whatever, whatever, whatever. whatever. We'll deal with that when we, when we come to it next week. Yeah. And I can't think of another example that I'm intimately familiar with in football where a coach has like put such emphasis. Right. I mean, normally because it's finals don't happen this early in the season in most other parts of the world. So there's right. a bit of an anomaly there. But to literally like send your whole squad to Mexico and play the reserves. Like Wenger doesn't even didn't even do that. Right. I think Mourinho came close in his Europa League win with United. He obviously not to this extent, but I'm just thinking of examples in yeah. Europe. Mourinho kind of slightly tried with the Europa League. Yeah. Uh, there's people uh, Bernie I think was saying that TFC are almost the equivalent of Arsenal in Europa and Madrid in the Champions League, where the leagues for those two teams are completely out the window. But the, but the drop off, yeah. you know, Arsenal are not playing seven year old kids um, <laughs> that we haven't even heard of. That's you know? true. I mean, Toronto FC have literally been signing players from the academy to fill out the squad to play these games. What does I, that say about MLS, though? That The fact that they can't even back, you know, one of their teams to do well in this in this competition by making an easier fixture list or moving some things around shuffling things around yeah like yeah, you yeah. can't just leave them out there to well, hang they, they asked i think they as far as i understand they asked houston to postpone the game houston rejected that which well, is the right yeah and then this is the way they're going to beat Toronto fc so yeah and, and everybody's now saying oh well next time houston comes asking for a favor they're not gonna get it i'm not sure yeah. they will what do they want asking for yeah, yeah. um, um but but yeah, I, I don't know. I, the one the one kind of equivalent that that popped into my head was when Manchester United completely begged out of the FA Cup yeah. to oh. play the Concacaf Champions League. They were just like, nah, we're not playing, and they were holders. Yeah, so th- there's that. But I, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's all understandable from the Toronto FC perspective. And while it is weird, the MLS season is so forgiving. Yeah, I mean, all they yeah. got to do is what yeah. finish top six, top yeah. eight, almost to get into the playoffs. So. It, it, it's a reversible situation and frankly if they pull this off tomorrow night or is it tomorrow night Wednesday, Wednesday night tonight. it will be it will be a bit of a miracle but I mean stranger things stranger things have happened so I mean 10% chance 20% chance I mean I'd, I'd give it, think I'd of give it this 30 way. to 40 I mean, how many games one down. how many games do they have to play for them to win one of them three four what do you mean like when I mean, you think of a percentage how many games do we? How many times do we need to replay this game to, for you to think that TFC could win one? Three I think games? I think they can win it. They're only two one down. I mean, I know it's away one, goals. Well, like one nil doesn't like, even. You could go there and win one nil. You could go there and one like think about it. Nil nil, one nil, one one, two one. All those are results good enough. Like, yeah, it's a lot of results that are good. A lot of results. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But there, I missed two nil, so you never know. We'll see. I think it'll be a valiant uh, two, yeah. two two draw or something like that. That's fair. You. 
I don't think they'll do it. I don't know. I think at the towards the end of the game they might just push up and then they'll, they'll concede. So okay, Michael Bradley own goal, something like that. Yeah, Michael Bradley trying to drag back and then not doing it. Okay, well on that on that <laughs> positive note, we will leave it there. Um, yeah, we've got Champions League tomorrow. Mm-hmm. We've got Europa League on Thursday. Um, quite a few good games midweek. It's a big week. And and TFC on Wednesday. Yep. It's, it's a lot of football to, to watch because the Premier League is pretty much... Yeah, yeah, of course. Anyway, we look forward to discussing that with you next week. Uh, Kieran, thank you so much for joining us, man. My pleasure. Where can people find you online if you want them to? Uh, you can find me at uh, on KeepScore on Twitter, but check out uh, Yahoo Canada Sports. Yeah. At Yahoo CI Sports, on, uh, especially our Instagram. That's where all the fun happens. All right. Nice. Sounds exciting. It does sound exciting. All right. Uh, Mohanad, thank you. Thank you. Thanks to me, and we'll see you next week. Yeah, thanks to you too. (laughs) Thanks. Thank you for downloading the Koshcast. Get in touch at underthekoshblog at gmail.com, follow us on Twitter at under underscore the kosh, and for articles, predictions, and the full experience, go to underthekoshblog.com. (laughs) 